Cue and Review, celebrating 40 years of audio production, welcomes you to this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast, recorded from our studio in the Bishopbriggs Media Centre and by our volunteers working from home. Keep up to date with Cue and Review news via our Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at Cue and Review, that's at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W or get in touch with us directly by emailing information at qreview.com that's I-N-F-O-R-M-A-T-I-O-N at sign C-U-E-A-N-D-R-E-V-I-E-W dot C-O-M or by calling 0141-772-3976 Please like and share our podcast and give us constructive feedback. Evening Times Sport, February 20. Celtic hold crunch Abada talks. Report by David Evan. Celtic Chiefs reportedly have held crunch talks with Leela Bada's representatives to discuss his future in Glasgow. The Scottish Sun reports Abada's agents were at Parkhead for a meeting with club officials with a possible transfer exit on the cards. Abada has not featured for Celtic in recent weeks, with Brendan Rodgers previously admitting the player was not in the right frame of mind to compete for his club. It comes as Abada has faced calls to quit Celtic from his homeland over pro-Palestine displays from sections of the supporters amid the ongoing conflict with Israel. The report claims Abada is interested in a transfer exit from Celtic if possible, with the MLS a potential destination due to the transfer window in America remaining open. However, it is suggested a move could be difficult to facilitate due to complex designated player rules in the MLS league setup. Rogers said of Abada after the draw with Kilmarnock, In my job, how I've always managed players and how I've worked with players, I've always tried to do everything I can and will continue to do everything I can to get him on the pitch for Celtic because he's a very, very important player. There may come that time later down the line where that might not be the case, but I will always have that empathy for a player and support. And if that's not just enough, then you know. It's things I've done before, and whoever it is, I'll be there for them and take it from there. I look at him at 22 years old. I've got sons older than him, so I see him as a son not just an employee of the club or a player in the team. If I had a son in that situation, what would I want someone to do for him in a foreign country and when he has challenges? But it's not just me. He has great support from everyone here. It's just a shame it's got to this stage, but let's see if we can turn it around. Report by David Urban. Evening Times Sport February 20. Dark times 
as municipal golf courses face the cut. Report by Nick Roger. If you have ever worked from home, you will know that there are occasions when it can be about as mentally nourishing as a baby's rattle. I mean, that sentence that you've just read there was the laboured, unimaginative product of about two hours spent gazing forlornly at the blank screen of my laptop during a prolonged period of crippling inactivity. There are probably prison inmates who get more creative inspiration, ticking off the days of their sentence with a shard of chalk on their cell wall, than I do sitting hunched at my desk in the sitting room. In fact, my latest bout of inertia was so stifling, I half expected the actual laptop to break the weary silence and suddenly say, Can you please do something? as this is getting dreadfully awkward. It was like being on a bad date. As you can see though, we got there in the end and another back page column, which is supposed to inform and entertain the nation, but instead inflicts itself on the populace like a particularly violent strain of norovirus awaits your consumption, or perhaps your condemnation. What awaits the good folk of Holland Bush Golf Club, meanwhile, is a decision on the future of their cherished facility. South Lanarkshire Council's budget meeting is scheduled for tomorrow, and the course in Les Mahago has been earmarked for closure, along with a whole host of village halls, libraries and community centres in and around the parish. The savings the council needs to make runs into the kind of millions that the Saudi Public Investment Fund, the PIF, dishes out at our LIV golf prize-giving ceremony. When it comes to fixing potholes, meanwhile, you could say most councils are taking, well, the PIF, but I disgrace. By all accounts, Holland Bush, one of six clubs operated by South Lanarkshire Leisure and Culture, has a robust, loyal and passionate membership. According to those involved with the popular municipal, just off the M74, the course has never looked better, never been busier, and the clubhouse is thriving. A recent post on the club's social media page called for the local community to bombard councillors in a rousing rallying cry that could have featured a bugle call and fixed bayonets, while a public consultation has generated considerable support for the retention of the facility ahead of the big meeting. Whether this call to arms has the desired effect remains to be seen. Filling vast financial black holes tends to be a ruthless old business. There will be plenty of folk out there who would probably sooner see a golf course sacrificed rather than see a library or a swimming pool. People have their own leisure preferences, after all. In this dire state, something, or indeed a few things, will have to give. Community hubs, whether for golfing, reading, duking or simply blethering 
suffer as a result. Not that long ago, when the devastation of Covid kicked in, the shadow of closure loomed large over Holland Bush, as it did with many clubs and courses throughout the game's cradle. When, however, golf became the pastime of the pandemic and enjoyed an unexpected but hugely welcome surge in popularity, it was given a new lease of life. Amid the clouds of COVID, there was a silver lining. Golf provided a welcome sanctuary during that wretched spell. It was a soothing retreat for body and mind. At a time when bodies and minds continue to be ravaged by rises in obesity, dependency and depression, the threat to any leisure facility, not just golfing ones, is always surely felt. We all know that some municipal courses have had a trying time in recent years. Once valued resources have withered on the vine, and many affordable, accessible routes into the game that Scotland gave to the world would have been locked up, fenced off and choked by the woods of neglect. The R&D bought Leatham Hill, the old Kunsel course on the south bank of Hoganfield Loch, and transformed it into a pioneering multi-million pound come-all-ye family facility. But the R&D cannot buy every municipal course that's struggling. Now there's an idea, eh? Over in the east, there's talk that Caird Park in Dundee, once the busiest muni in Europe, and the place where Sandy Lyle's uncle, Walter, was a pro back in the 1950s, could be set for the chop. Down in the south of the UK, I was reading that councillors are being asked if a nine-hole track in the seaside town of Torquay is the most appropriate use of space after a series of wayward clatters and batters damaged the roof of the Grade 1 listed Spanish barn which sits in front of the course. Funnily enough, I often curse and mutter to myself during a round of pitiful ineptitude that I couldn't hit the barn let alone the barn door with my driver. I wonder if I'd have more luck hitting the blooming barn roof with one of my woeful hoiks and hoaks. If the Torquay councillors get their way, I may not get the chance. What are the chances, meanwhile, of South Lanarkshire Council sparing Holland Bush? Well, all eyes will be on tomorrow's budget meeting and what decisions emerge from it. In competitive golf, everybody wants to make the cut. For all those who hold Holland Bush dear, though, this is one cut they hope to miss, says Nick Roger. Evening Times Sport, February 20. Outcast Sam Lammers set for summer transfer. Report by Mark Walker Sam Lammers could be heading for a £2.5 million summer switch to 20 in Sheddy after they failed to sign him last year when he moved to Rangers instead. The Dutchman is on loan at Utrecht 
and has helped them to a club record 14-match unbeaten run, which included a weekend win at third place 20. 20 are five points clear in third, well ahead of Utrecht in ninth place and seems set to reach Champions League qualifiers next season. And reports in the Netherlands have indicated they will try again to land at Lammers in the summer. 20 were in for him when he was at Atalanta, but he opted to move to Rangers instead in a £3.5 million move that turned into a disaster. The loan move to Utrecht does not include an option to buy, and 20 are in a far better financial position than Utrecht to sign the 26-year-old. Lammers was praised for his performance against 20 at the weekend by former NAC Breda star turned Dutch TV punted Kees Lukje. He said, Sam Lammers is very important for the team, not only for his goals, but also the way Utrecht plant to play football. Lammers is simply a fantastic asset for Utrecht. Meanwhile, Michael Beal has been told that some coaches are not cut out to be managers. It comes less than 24 hours after the 43-year-old was dismissed by Sunderland. The Londoner lasted just 12 games in charge of the championship club, having only been appointed by the Black Cats in mid-December. It's the second time he's lost his job this season, having previously been given his marching orders by Rangers. He endured a tough start to the season, which saw the Ibrox club fall seven points behind Celtic in the Premiership and Champions League elimination before the group stage. Report by Mark Walker Evening Times Sport, February 20 SFA apologises to Hibs over VAR error. Report by David Irvin Hibernian Chiefs have received an apology after a serious error in VAR protocol in the match against Aberdeen. Easter Road officials believed a major decision was overlooked in the 2-2 draw at Pitodre when a Jordan Obita cross hit the arm of Nick Devlin. During the match, the incident was waved away and referee David Renault was not advised to review the decision at the pitch-side monitor. Club officials held meetings with the Scottish FA at Hamden on Monday to challenge the decision, and the club received an apology for the incorrect decision, with the referee department agreeing the incident should have been referred for on-field review. A Hibs statement confirmed the club will continue to work with the Scottish FA regarding officiating after receiving another apology for VAR errors. A club statement read, Hibernian FC met with Scottish FA representatives following the club's cinch premiership match away at Aberdeen. Upon review of the game, the club believes VAR made a serious error in the first half when Jordan Obita's cross hit the arm of the Aberdeen defender Nicky Devlin. The incident was reviewed by VAR 
and the referee was advised that the on-field decision was correct, meaning no penalty was awarded. The club held meetings with the, S with the SFA at Hamden to challenge the decision. The governing body outlined that the referee department agreed that the incident should have been referred by VAR for on-field review and therefore an error was made. This is not the first occasion where the club has received an apology for VAR errors and the club will continue to work with the SFA regarding officiating in the Scottish game. Report by David Irvin. Evening Times Sport, February 21. Mikey Johnson continues to score at West Brom. Report by Ewan Payton. Mikey Johnson last night continued to show his worth with a stunning goal for West Brom. The Republic of Ireland winger has scored twice in five games for the championship side since joining on loan from Celtic. The 24-year-old made the decision to leave Parkhead on a temporary basis as he looked for more regular game time elsewhere. The Baggies stepped up to take him off Celtic's hands and he's not looked back since his deadline day switch. He scored on his first start against Cardiff City last week with former teammate David Turnbull in their ranks. Now he's added another special strike to his collection as West Brom romped to a 3-0 win at Plymouth last night. Johnson received the ball wide on the left. As he matched up to the fullback, he darted inside as he made his way to the box before managing to cut in again. He unleashed a beautiful effort on his right into the far top corner, which left another former Hoops teammate, Connor Hazard, no chance of saving. West Brom sit fifth in the championship, comfortably inside the promotion playoff spots. Meanwhile, John Hartson has branded Celtic defender Alexandra Bernabe a disgrace after his failure to stop David Watson scoring for Kilmarnock in the weekend 1-1 draw at Parkhead. The drop points led to Rangers going top of the Scottish Premiership after their victory over St Johnson. Barnaby was brought on as a substitute for Greg Taylor with 30 minutes left against Derek McInnes's men and was unable to stop Watson from netting a stoppage time equaliser. And Hartson told Go Radio, Burnaby is a disgrace. He doesn't even challenge Watson for the goal. If you're a left back in that position, last minute, you're giving everything to stop a goal. That could cost Celtic the title. It doesn't mean enough. It's got to matter more. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport February 21 Crackpot Mason Theory Rubbish by former referee Dallas Report by Ewan Payton Hugh Dallas insists 
Only crackpots believe the theory that he was a mason. The former top referee insists he could not understand it when he watched a documentary claiming he was a Freemason. Dallas was one of Scotland's best referees until he retired in 2005. He officiated at two World Cups and was then kept on by the Scottish FA as its head of refereeing development for the next generation. As all referees do, he faced plenty of flack from supporters up and down the country. But that scrutiny escalated when it was claimed in a documentary that he was a Mason. The 66-year-old, who now works for the Turkish FA, is adamant this was not the case, insisting he's only one step foot in a Masonic hall, and that was to give blood. I watched a documentary on YouTube about me being a Mason, he told the Glasgow podcast. Not that I respected him, but it was from a respected author and journalist. You could not make this up. Claiming I was orange this, Masonic that. I've never even been in a Masonic hall. Oh, I tell a lie. I went in to give a pint of blood one year in shots. So where they get this information from, I don't know. Of course, you're using the word crackpots there. If there are enough of them watching them and listening, they believe that. That particular thing that I watched, wow, I remember taking legal advice on it. And my lawyer looked at it and said, leave it, don't even waste the money. I thought, right enough, that's probably the worst thing I've ever read, or the most bizarre, and the most untruthful. People will write things that you think are a bit harsh, but when you read things that are just untrue. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport February 21 Tom Lockyer recalls how his heart stopped for 2 minutes and 40 seconds. Luton captain Tom Lockyer said he literally died after his heart stopped for 2 minutes and 40 seconds during his harrowing on-pitch cardiac arrest. The 29-year-old Welshman, speaking at length for the first time since he collapsed in the 59th minute of the Hatters' abandoned Premier League game against Bournemouth on December 16, admitted it is out of his hands if he will ever play again. Lockyer was fitted with an implantable cardioverter defibrillator after he was hospitalised for five days. Relieving, reliving the incident which rocked the football world, Lockyer, who also suffered a collapse during May's championship playoff victory against Coventry, said it was just a normal day and that was the most worrying thing because I felt completely fine. I have been looking for answers since, but I have not been able to find any because it was just another day at the office. I was running towards the halfway line and I went really light-headed. I thought I'd be okay in a second, but I wasn't. I woke up 
and the paramedics were there. I knew instantly it was different to my collapse in May. Last time it felt like I woke up from a dream, and this time I woke up from nothingness. I could see there was more panic, and I was a bit disorientated. I couldn't speak, I couldn't move. I was trying to work out what was happening, and I remember thinking, I could be dying here. It was a surreal thought to have, not being able to respond, and you can see the panic going on. Lockyer's voice crackled as he continued. I could feel them put the drip in my arm, and it was a hard mix of emotions. Eventually I came round and I was able to speak and to respond. When I felt okay, it was then a relief I was alive. Following what happened in May, I have a recording device in my chest, and I was out for 2 minutes and 40 seconds. It was hardest on my family having to watch that. They had it worse than me. My old man was there at the match, and my girlfriend was seven months pregnant at the time. My mum was at home listening on the radio. She went off to make a cup of tea after Bournemouth scored, and when she came back my brother had turned the radio off. She asked why, and he had to say to her that Tom had gone down off the ball again. This is the bigger picture that people don't see, and that is the hardest part to deal with. I am not going to lie, it has been a tough couple of months. I don't know if I have processed what happened. I don't know if it will come back and bite me on the bum. But I have not had any emotions since what happened. I literally died, but I have been numb to the whole thing since. Lockyer had an emotional reunion with his teammates at the club's training ground last month, his first visit to the Hatter's Brash HQ since he collapsed. The defender hopes he will be able to return to top-flight football, but said he will be subjected to further tests before he has an answer. He continued, It is out of my hands if I play again. I am going to be dictated to by the medical staff and specialists. If there is a chance I could play again, and I am not going to do anything against medical advice, then I would love to but it's far too early to say. There are tests that have to happen in the background, but I wouldn't write it off yet. If I am not allowed to play again, then I can say I captain Luton in the Premier League and I have scored a Premier League goal. I am very fortunate that I have had high moments in my career and scoring a Premier League goal is something you dream of as a kid. I am incredibly grateful to be alive. I have the device fitted now, and I almost feel invincible. Evening Times Sport February 21 Tillman set for PSV stay. Report by Mark Walker Former Rangers lone star Malik Tillman looks set to complete a £1.2 million move to PSV Eindhoven in the summer, after hinting he wants to remain at the club next season. 
the on loan Bayern Munich ace was a big player for the Ibrox side last season, but the deal to make the loan to Scottish football become permanent collapsed this summer after the German Giants had a rethink about his future and sent him to the Eredivisie with Rangers Champions League conquerors PSV instead. Rangers reportedly received around £1 million compensation because Bayern pulled out of the deal and are entitled to a further 10% sell-on of the American international's future fee. He helped PSV gain a draw with Borussia Dortmund at the weekend in the round of 16 first leg ties in the Champions League and he looks set to turn the loan move into a permanent one next term. Tillman said, For me, it always comes down to playing time or prospects. Hopefully next summer I will look back on the second season in which I regularly played at a high level after being at Rangers last year. That's how I would like to see it continue. The atmosphere is really good. We have grown really close as a team. Everyone has fun, the manager, the staff. We just like to play football and you can see that in us. I also think we play very attractively. Peter Bosch has a precise plan and we try to follow it. It's all about intensity with and without the ball. Tillman has flourished after recovering from injury and has scored five goals and made four assists in the 16 league appearances he's made. He made 43 appearances for Rangers in all competitions and scored 12 goals. Report by Mark Walker. Evening Times Sport, February 22. Celtic reveal update on new facility in Glasgow. Report by Ben Waddle. Celtic have revealed an update on the club's brand new state-of-the-art training centre in Glasgow. The club recently took to social media to announce that work has begun for the new centre at Barrowfield. The new world-class facility, which was once the training ground for the Lisbon Lions, will be the base for the women's first team, as well as both the boys' and girls' academies. Part of the multi-million pound project, the new facility is aimed at developing Celtic stars of the future and aligning the club with the world's best. In a video on social media, the Glasgow side showed that work in the area is well underway. Chris McCart, head of academy at Celtic, said, This is the biggest investment and development since Lennox Town, and it's one which the academy is very excited about. It's going to be a boost for all of our young players coming through the club. Elena Sadeku, Celtic women's head coach, said she is excited about the new facility and continued. It's going to be easier for me to sell this idea of how we want to be as a club, our vision, and help to achieve something. It's going to be incredible when it's done. 
The club revealed a new training centre will be open later this year. Report by Ben Waddle. Evening Times Sport, February 22. John McGinn backs calls to save Dalmuir Municipal Golf Course. Report by Ava White. Clyde Bank footballing sensation John McGinn has backed calls to save Western Battenshire's only public golf course. Earlier this week, we reported that a petition had been launched in an effort to prevent Dalmuir Municipal Golf Course from being downsized or closed for good. It comes after golfers were issued a letter from Western Battenshire Council, which owns the course stating that it would be considering this move at its budget meeting next month due to rapidly reducing funds. The letter seen by the Glasgow Times goes on to add that the income Western Battenshire Council receives, including its funding from the Scottish Government, is significantly lower than the cost of delivering its services. Sharing the petition on social media The Aston Villa star said he was gutted to hear the news and added, Please sign if you can. The petition was launched by Clydebank Overtown Golf Club, one of several that play at Dalmuir. In the last 24 hours, it has gathered more than 3,000 signatures. Masters caddy Craig Connolly has also backed the petition, saying, doesn't matter where you are from, if you've never played Dalmuir, do me a favour and sign this petition. It was only a few years ago that the course was thriving. Gary Smith, match secretary at Clydebank Overton, said the response has been remarkable. It's unbelievable the amount of people who have not only shared it, but also signed it and left comments. The comments have been absolutely fantastic. To see guys like John McGinn and Craig Connolly, who are well known throughout the sporting world, comment on it is brilliant. That pushes it even further. I was reading some of the posts on X and there were people from England and Wales who said they've played the course and loved it and that it shouldn't be shut. I was hoping for just over 1,000 signatures so it could go to the council, but to get 3,000 and it's still climbing is unbelievable. The response has been remarkable, and if I could thank everyone individually, I would. Hopefully it's enough to try and persuade them at the council to keep the golf course open. The proposal to downsize or close down Muir is one of a range of money-saving options that will be presented to councillors at the budget meeting on March 6. It comes as the local authority works to plug its £17 million budget gap. A Western Battenshire Council spokesperson said, A meeting of the council will take place next month to discuss the budget for the upcoming financial year. No financial and final decisions will be taken on any of the options presented until this meeting.
Report by Eva White Evening Times Sport February 22 Motherwell announced Stuart Kettlewell contract extension Report by Aidan MacDonald Motherwell have confirmed that Stuart Kettlewell will remain a Fir Park boss after the summer and also apologise for not communicating the news in a more efficient manner. The 39-year-old was appointed on a permanent basis last February and secured a 7th place finish after a good run of form. Kettlewell's deal at the time was described as lasting initially until 2024, which had left Motherwell fans wondering whether the former Ross County manager's deal was set to expire in the summer. However, club chiefs have now confirmed his contract has been extended until 2025. A club statement read, Following a discussion at last night's AGM, the club wishes to clarify Stuart Kettlewell's contract position. The Motherwell manager was appointed back in February 2023 having won his two games in interim charge against St Myrna and Hearts. Kettlewell then signed a contract to become the permanent manager. The deal ran initially until May 2024, but it was agreed should Motherwell remain in the top flight, that deal would be extended 12 months until May 2025. We would like to apologise to both our fans and Stuart, for not properly communicating the terms of the extension in May last year and for the uncertainty this has clearly caused. Chairman Jim McMahon added, Although during the 12 months of his time here there has been some highs and lows, we firmly believe that Stuart can take this group of players and the club forward. Report by Aidan MacDonald Evening Times Sport, February 22 Tavarni dubbed Best Rangers Signing in Modern History Report by Stuart Wilson James Tavarni has been branded a Rangers legend after his recent exploits. This is according to former Ibrox defender Alan Hutton, who insists that the Light Blues captain is the club's best modern-day signing. Tavarni recently scored a double as Rangers went top of the league against St Johnston, and Hutton feels the Englishman's mentality has been a key to his success. Speaking to Football Insider, he said, I think Tavarni has to be a Rangers legend for me. When you see the money that his move from Wigan cost, it was next to nothing. He's been there through thick and thin. Tavani was in the lower leagues with them and came back up. His goals and assists, he's so robust and very rarely injured. He's won all the domestic trophies now, so I think you have to put him in that bracket. It's been an outstanding buy for Rangers and his goals this season and that brace against St Johnson prove it. In terms of value for money in their modern history, no one's done what he has. He's taken a lot of stick over the years, but he always takes it on the chin. It shows you the type of guy that he is.
Report by Stuart Wilson. Evening Times Sport, February 23. Celtic legend hails keeper Joe Hart as £1 million bargain. Report by Ewan Payton. Joe Hart has been hailed as a £1 million bargain for Celtic. The 36-year-old has announced that he will call time on his career at the end of the season. The former England number 1 will end his time between the sticks after three years in Glasgow at the end of the present campaign. He joined as one of Ange Postecoglou's first signings in the summer of 2021 from Tottenham Hotspur, and Celtic great Pat Bonner reckons replacing him will be a very difficult task. He told the Scottish Sun, It's good that Joe has ended any uncertainty over his future. He's a top professional and now wants to do all he can to make sure his final season here is another successful one with Celtic. Joe came to Scotland and settled a situation at the club that was very precarious. They brought in a keeper, Vasilis Barkas, who had cost big money and it had not worked out. Celtic needed someone in that position who could provide stability and Hart's done that very well over his period here. He's excelled at making big saves at the right time. I've a lot of time for him. He's been great value for what he cost. For his level of experience in the Premier League and Serie A and for England, a fee of £1 million was a bargain. He is one of the leaders in the Celtic dressing room, along with Callum McGregor, and for that reason he will also be a big miss. I like the way Hart conducts himself and the way he speaks. On and off the pitch he's been a leader in every respect. Joe's been a great role model at Celtic, works hard, does all the right things. I'm sure he wants his final months at the club to be as successful as possible. Now Celtic have to find a replacement. And how do you fill such big boots? I'm not sure there's anybody coming through the system. I'm not convinced by the current backups. Celtic are going to have to go out and buy somebody. And it sure won't be easy to find a candidate of Hart's calibre. Report by Ewan Payton. Evening Times Sport, February 23. Celtic favourites to land Premier League keeper. Report by David Irvin. Celtic have been made the favourites to sign Liverpool keeper Kelleher after Joe Hart announced his decision to retire at the end of the season. Hart explained on Thursday, I wanted to get the message out as of June I am going to stop playing football. This is something that I have thought about for a while. There's no right or wrong time, is there? That leaves Brendan Rodgers with Benjamin Segrist and Scott Bain as goalkeeping options after Hart retires. And it's expected Rodgers would look to sign a new first-choice keeper 
with Liverpool goalkeeper Kelleher a possible candidate. The 25-year-old Kelleher has previously been linked with a move to Celtic amid growing speculation in the summer, with Rodgers credited with an active transfer interest. It was previously reported Kelleher, a regular member of the Ireland national team squad, would be interested in becoming Celtic number one for years to come. However, transfer interest in the summer from Premier League clubs was reportedly knocked back over fears Alisson could leave Liverpool. Kelleher is under contract at Anfield until 2026, but Gambling.com have made Celtic favourites to land the goalkeeper should he move on this summer. The website puts a 50% chance probability on Kelleher arriving at Celtic at the end of the season, with Wolves, Bournemouth and Sheffield United alternative options on the odds list. Report by David Irvin Evening Times Sport February 23 Scott McTominay, one of 11 players facing Manchester United exit. Report by Ewan Payton. Scott McTominay is reportedly on a list of 11 players Sir Jim Ratcliffe would like to clear out of Manchester United. The Scotland international has proven time and time again to be a vital player for the Old Trafford side. However, it seems that the 27-year-old could be on his way to the exit this summer. Ratcliffe, founder of Ineos, is looking to put his stamp on footballing matters at the Global Giants after securing his 25% stake in the club, which is worth around £1.3 billion. He wants United to hire Newcastle's Dan Ashworth as their first ever sporting director as part of a major shake-up to the football department. And MEN Sport claims that one of Ashworth's main tasks could be negotiating the departure of up to 11 players in the summer transfer window. McTominay, Raphael Varane, Casimiro, Aaron Juan Busaka, Harry Maguire, Christian Eriksen and Victor Lindelof may all need to find new clubs, it has been suggested. In addition, it's claimed that Jadon Sancho, Brandon Williams, Donny van de Beek and Fancundo Pellistri, all currently out on loan, could also be moved on. McTominay has become one of the first names on the team sheet for Scotland under Steve Clark. He will undoubtedly be on the plane to Germany for Euro 2024 this summer. So, if he performs on the big stage for his national team, then a big move could be in the offing as a result. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport February 23 Rangers to take on Benfica in Europa League Report by Ewan Payton 
Rangers have discovered their opponents for the last 16 of the Europa League. Philippe Clement's side automatically qualified for the next round of UEFA's secondary competition by topping their group with a dramatic 3-2 win over Real Betis in December. The Premiership leaders have been made to wait patiently since to find out who their next two games in the tournament would be against. But after the conclusion of the playoff round, featuring the group stage runners-up and those who dropped down from the Champions League, the draw has now been made. Rangers will take on Benfica in the last 16 of the Europa League. The first leg will be played in Lisbon on March 7, with the return leg in Glasgow a week later. The Ibrooks club was seeded for the draw so avoided the likes of Liverpool, West Ham, Brighton and Bayer Leverkusen. The unseeded teams were Roma, Sparta Prague, Marseille, Sporting Lisbon, Benfica, Freiburg, AC Milan, Quarabai. Rangers last played Benfica in the 2021 season. They featured in the same Europa League group with Steven Gerrard still in charge. Both games ended in stalemate with the first 2-2 at Ibrox and the second 3-3 in Lisbon. The Europa League last 16 draw in full is Sparta Prague vs Liverpool, Marseille vs Villarreal, Roma vs Brighton, Benfica vs Rangers, Freiburg vs West Ham, Sporting vs Atalanta, Milan vs Slavia Praga, Quarabag vs Bayer Leverkusen. Report by Ewan Payton. From the Glasgow Times, Sunday, 25th of February, from the sports section, Motherwell 1, Celtic 3, instant reaction to the burning issues. Report by Graham McGarry Adam Ida got Celtic out of jail as his second half double helped the champions to win three critical points against Motherwell at Fir Park. The hosts had taken a deserved lead into the interval after Blair Spittle's well-taken opener, with Celtic miles off the pace. But Ida's introduction swung the momentum of the match and his header shortly after the interval drew Celtic level. It looked as though Motherwell fans would see the game out from the, from there though, but their fans, who unveiled a banner before kick-off that read You Are My Cinema, I Could Watch You Forever, had seen this movie before, and they must be heartily sick of it. Just as they had here earlier in the campaign, Celtic sickened the steelmen deep into stoppage time as Ida got in the end of Alistair Johnson's cutback to side foot home. Lewis Palmer tapped in a third soon after, to put a sheen on the scoreline that neither Celtic or Motherwell probably deserved. Here are the talking points from Fair Park. Celtic get away with it. Credit where it is due at first of all. After a dire first half showing here, Celtic did show character to turn things around after the interval, with Ida's entrance the telling factor. Perhaps when all is said and done at the end of the season, this will look back upon as a pivotal moment in the title race, but the evidence of the entire 90 minutes hardly supports the theory that Celtic are going to be able to pull their season out of the fire. The first 45 minutes were as poor as they have produced all season, though Motherwell must take credit for that. 
They swarmed Callum McGregor and Matt O'Reilly whenever they got the ball and stimmied Celtic's threat as a result. The ability to cross into a target into the box after the break changed the dynamic and they did eventually get the job done but it was another scrappy performance and it raised more questions than answers about this team. Rodgers will point to their resilience but they looked as though they can drop points in almost every match and that is worrying with no room left for now for error. Ida too hot for Motherwell to handle and now ahead of Kyogo? Celtic's lack of invention in attacking areas in the first half was scarcely believable, with Dyson Maida and Nick Kuhn both desperately poor in wide areas, and striker Kyogo, as he has done so often this season, cutting a peripheral and frustrated figure. The one sniff at goal he had came from a McGregor through ball that Liam Kelly out did well to come out and smother. The fact he went down holding his troublesome shoulder just before the interval may have sealed the deal in terms of his withdrawal from the action, but it wouldn't have been a surprise in any case to see Ida sent on in his stead, and that was indeed the change made, as Rogers tried to inject a bit of life into his labouring side. It paid off almost immediately, as Greg Taylor's brilliant cross from deep on the left, the left found the big Irishman getting in between Beavis Mugabe and Dan Casey to glance expertly beyond Kelly and whole Celtic level. He should have hit a second late on, as Taylor once again found him free in the middle of the Motherwell area, but this time he glanced wide. He would soon have his moment though, producing a nice near post run and a cool finish to break Motherwell's hearts and send the Celtic contingent behind the goal wild. High Celtic backline exploited. Fill me once, shame on you. Fill me four or five times, as Motherwell did to the Celtic backline with balls over the top, then you might want to rethink your setup. The tactics of Motherwell were obvious from early on. Win the ball and immediately look for the pace of Theo Blair and Jack Vale in behind the visitors' high line. Celtic got away with one as Miller helped on over the top of Blair to hear on to in the opening minutes. The reborn striker chopping inside the out of sorts Liam Scales and finishing under Joe Hart, only to be left frustrated as the flag was eventually raised and a VAR check confirmed that he had gone just a little too early. Celtic failed to heed the lesson though, and soon after Vale was the one who was found by Miller running into acres, but the striker tried one chop too many, and Mike Navrocki eventually did well to get back and get a toe to the ball to deny the on-loan Blackburn Rovers man. Still, the Celtic fans would be relieved to see Cameron Carter-Vickers returning in the second period to steady the ship, and you feel his fitness will be a crucial factor in his team's chances of retaining their title. Lennon Miller impresses. It is hard to believe that the Motherwell midfielder is only 17 years of age and he showed here again why there is such excitement around him in Lanarkshire. His overall game was marked by impressive composure beyond his years and the moment of quality he produced as Motherwell opened to scoring was one that very few other players, even in green and white, could produce. His brilliant swivel completely took McGregor out of the game and then he had the presence of mind to look up and lay the ball perfectly into the path of Spittle to sweep home with a great finish first time. He looks to be a kid that is going places and perhaps for big money in the summer. Dyson Maeda, chief sinner for Celtic. Much has been made of Celtic's woes in wide areas this season and the lack of impact that the wingers they have brought in have made. It was a remnant of the Ange Postalicogla era that produced the biggest stinker on the day here though, with Maeda blowing several presentable chances to put Celtic ahead in the second half. 
The look in Alistair Johnson's face when he somehow headed wide his cross in the second half was priceless and the Japanese just looks completely out of sort. His teammates saved his bushes in the end and they might just have saved their season. And that report was by Graham McGarry. From the Glasgow Times, Saturday, the 24th of February, from the sports section, Rangers 5, Hearts 0. Instant reaction to the burning issues. This article was written by Matthew Lindsay and read today by me, Ian. Talk about a declaration of intent from Rangers. The Ibrox Club highlighted they have no intention of surrendering top spot in the Chinese Premiership anytime soon with a demolition of third place hearts and govern this afternoon. This match against one of the form teams in the country was viewed as a serious test of their title credentials before kick-off. But Philip Clement's men blew away Stephen Naismith's charges thanks to a first-half goals from Mohamed Diamondi, Oscar Cortez and Cyril Desers, and second-half Desers and Fabio Silva strikes. Defending champions Celtic can reduce their city rivals' lead to two points again if, and it is a big if given how poorly they have been performing of late, they can overcome Motherwell at Fir Park on Sunday afternoon. However, this was a hugely impressive showing from James Tavernier and his team, mates, and suggested that, as our fans in the 50,354 strong crowd chanted, they shall not be moved. Here are five talking points from the one-sided encounter. Hunter to Hunted Having spent two years in the shadow of their city rivals in the league, it was inevitable that questions would be asked of how Rangers would cope with the pressure of being tabletoppers. But to answer them this afternoon with one of the best displays they have produced under Clement. They could have prevailed by a more emphatic scoreline had it not been for Xander Clark. The Hearts and Scotland goalkeeper produced outstanding saves to deny Tavernier, Redvan Yilmaz, Desers and Silva. Warren Shankland and his teammates certainly had long spells with the ball and applied pressure in their opponent's final third at times. However, Chet Butland did not. In stark contrast to his opposite number, Clark, have very much to do. The Tynecastle Club's defenders will not enjoy watching back a replay of this outing. They could, and should, have done far better at the first four goals, particularly the second when Kai Rose gave the ball away needlessly to Dijon Serling in the middle of the park. That said, no team will enjoy a trip to Govan between now and the end of the season. The Rangers supporters turned out in force today and created an intimidating atmosphere which Hearts failed to perform in. Diomandi Geezer Jagnon striker Diomandi opened his account for Rangers when he broke the deadlock in the first half of the Premiership game against St Johnson at McDermott Park last Sunday. The former Noise Jelen midfielder showed that, that was no freak occurrence today when he needed a goal that was a virtual carbon copy of his strike six days earlier after a little over a minute. He controlled a pass from his fellow new boy Cortez on the edge of the Hearts penalty box, took a touch and then fired a low left foot shot beyond the outstretched Clark and into the bottom left corner. The Ivorian had not played regularly in Denmark since the end of November when he moved to Scotland and Clement cautioned that it would take his, him time to get his match fitness and sharpness up to the required levels. But the 22 year old, who cost a cool £4.5 million, has made an immediate impression and looks even at this early stage, to an excellent acquisition. With Cortez, the Colombian winger who arrived on loan from Longs last month, getting off the mark, and Silva, who joined from Wills in the window, getting in in the act, 
it's fair to say that Rangers are far stronger now than they were in the first half of the season. Todd who? Todd, Todd Cantwell sidelined for three to four weeks with a hamstring injury and Dio Mandy retained in a deep-lying central midfield role alongside John Lundstrom. Tom Lawrence slotted into the playmaker berth just off Dessers. The loss of Cantwell was a blow to the new league leaders. The Englishman has been one of the most consistent performers since play resumed after the winter break and has scored important goals in their wins over at Hibernian, Livingston and Aberdeen. Clement will be hoping the former Norwich man can make a speedy recovery and will be available for the Europa League last 16 games against Benfica next month. But number 10 is the preferred position of Welsh internationals Lawrence and he had no difficulties deputising for his clubmate. He probed for an opening all afternoon, pinched possession from under the visitors' noses on numerous occasions and supplied Cortes before the second. He received a rousing ovation when he was replaced by Silva earlier in the second half. If he can stay fit, then Cantwell will not be missed while he is out. Desert's double. The big Nigerian striker, who took his tally for the 2023-24 campaign to 16 with his brace today, continues to confound his critics. Philip Sebo would have buried his second, but his first was delightful. He got on the edge of that inch-perfect perfect diagonal delivery from John Suter and dinked a volley beyond Clark. He was a popular winner of the Man of the Match award. The £4.5 million summer signing has gone from being a figure of fun to a darling of the support. With Silva coming on and netting a peach and Kima Roof also making his return from injury, Clement has an abundance of firepower up front now. Disappointing hearts. This heavy loss brought to an end an 8-game winning run and a 12-game spell without a defeat for hearts, but they could have no complaints about the final outcome. They were very much second best this afternoon. The Gorgi outfit will fancy their chances of getting back to winning ways when they play Hibernian at home in the Edinburgh Derby on Wednesday night and finishing third in the top fight once again this term. Still, this was the first defeat to Rangers and highlighted the huge gulf in quality that exists between them and the Glasgow Giants. And that report was by Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, February 26. Clement wants Rangers to improve. Report by Matthew Lindsay. Most football managers would be seriously satisfied if their team had just beaten the third best side in the country by five goals and gone five points clear of their nearest challengers at the top of the league table. But was Philippe Clement completely content with Rangers' mauling of hearts at Ibrox on Saturday evening? Clement was certainly delighted that his charges, who had moved to the top of the Singe Premiership for the first time in two years, six days, with a triumph over St Johnston in Perth, had won such an important game in such an impressive fashion. However, as they celebrated together in the dressing room afterwards, the Belgian was not slow to point out aspects of the display which he had not been entirely happy with and pinpoint areas where he thought they could improve. We were just talking about it in there, said centre-half Connor Goldson, as he looked back on his 300th appearance for the Glasgow club. We have not really enjoyed a game of football at home for quite a while. That was the perfect answer. 
But in the last 30 minutes, it turned it into a bit of a basketball game. We were trying to score at every opportunity when we got the ball. I think we should have controlled the ball better. We gave away too many shots in the last half an hour of the game. Really, we should have enjoyed having the ball and passed it around a little bit more. We gave away too many transitions by not controlling the football enough. If we get five, the manager wants six. If we get six, he wants seven. So it is probably a little bit of that, putting the foot to the gas and scoring even more. The demands that he puts on us, not only in games, but day by day in training, is the main reason that we're doing so well. He doesn't let standards drop in any training session. He wants us to reach a different level to what we are at. I think now the boys are really believing that we can. You see the football that we are starting to play, the tempo that we are starting to play at. The fitness is getting higher and higher. It is crazy because it has only been four or five months. I am really excited about where this team and this club is heading. We are in a good place. Confidence is high. We're winning games and that breeds confidence. But we're doing it by working hard. And you see in that game the amount of distance the boys are covering in games. That's why we're winning games of football, through hard work and the tempo we're playing at, counter-attacking when we're sitting low. It's harder for teams to come here with a game plan because we're scoring different types of goals, so long may it continue. But we need to keep working hard game by game and day by day and reach an even higher level. Having just demolished opponents who had been on an eight-game winning streak and 12-match unbeaten run, Rangers could have won by even more had Hearts goalkeeper Xander Clark not produced outstanding saves from James Tavarnier, Ridvan Yilmaz, Cyril Dessers and Fabio Silva during the course of the 90 minutes. But Goldson's words will strike fear into their rivals. Celtic may have reduced their ancient adversaries' premiership lead to two once again yesterday, with a hard-fought 3-1 win over Motherwell at Fir Park. But there appears to be very little prospect of the new table toppers slipping up any time soon. The match at the weekend was a serious test of their title credentials. They passed it with flying colours. Their dominant display was remarkable when you consider that Todd Cantwell, Danilo, Rabi Matondo and Abdallah Sima, who between them have netted 31 goals in the 23-24 campaign, are all missing through injury at the moment. With Ross McCausland, Nicholas Raskin, Kamar Roof, Fabio Silva and Scott Wright all coming off the bench against Hearts, and Leon Balogan, Borna Barisic and Ben Davis not featuring at all. Clément certainly has the strength in depth which he requires to remain competitive at home and abroad in the coming weeks. Golson certainly feels the January signings have improved Rangers greatly, with winger Oscar Cortez 
midfielder Mohamed Diamond and striker Silva, a trio who all arrived during the window last month, all getting on the score sheet on Saturday. He has a definite point. And he said, We knew we needed quality, and the squad needed a few more players. Look at the squad now, even the five substitutes we made. We bring on Raskin, Wright, McCausland, Fabi and Kemar. When you can do that after 60, 70, 80 minutes, especially with the tempo we're trying to play at, it makes a big difference. Running-wise, it is different under Clement. It is just the way he wants us to play. He wants us to stop counter-attacks. If we've got a team on the edge of the box, he wants us to push all the way up to the strikers so they cannot get the ball and turn. That is what is leading to us keeping more clean sheets. The boys up the pitch are pressing. We are going with them as high as the striker goes. So he just wants to stop transitions, which I think we got caught on a few times at the start of the season. Yes, it is good. I am really enjoying it. Beating fourth place Kilmarnock on the artificial pitch at Rugby Park on Wednesday night will not be straightforward for Rangers. They lost one nothing down in Ayrshire on the opening day of the season back in August. The difference though between that team and this one is huge. They are looking more dangerous with every passing week and there is no prospect of them growing complacent with Clement driving them forward on a daily basis, says Matthew Lindsay. Evening Times Sport, February 26. Goal-scoring goalkeeper looking for new club. Report by Ewan Payton. He became an internet sensation with one kick of a ball. That's because it's not every day you see a goalkeeper scoring, nor playing as an outfield player. Alistair Adams scored a thunderous half-volley from 30 yards a little over two months ago for Arbroath, as he was the unlikely hero in helping the championship strugglers secure a point at Wraith Rovers. Now the 32-year-old is on the lookout for a new club, after it appears he was let go by Jim McIntyre's side. He took to social media to confirm the news last night. He wrote, Played five, won three, drawn two, lost none. Clean record. One goal and a few unforgettable moments. Don't know what's next, but what I do know is I'm hungry and ready to work. Anyone wanting a goalkeeper, Let's go. It's some record for a substitute goalkeeper whose tremendous goal went viral on various social media sites after the game on December 30. The humble backup cemented himself as Red Lichty's cult hero with the incredible strike with the game finishing 2-2 at Starks Park. With all three outfield substitutes already on the pitch, McIntyre had no choice but to send Adams on up top when Aaron Steele pulled up injured. 
The towering keeper made his presence known as he ruffled more than a few feathers in the rover's backline. He unleashed an unstoppable strike from distance. That gave Kevin Dabrowski no chance. After his stunning strike, he said at the time, All the boys have come together. It's not just about me. We've got a thin squad and hopefully that will get rectified over the next few weeks. But all the boys have dug in since the new gaffer took over. He asked me if I was willing to go on and I said, Of course, I'll go and help the team. When I went on, everyone in the stadium thought it was a joke, but one person did not. I'm confident in my abilities, and I know I can play a bit. But obviously, I did not expect that. I just thought I'll have a go, and it was just instinctive. It was one of those situations where nobody is expecting anything from you. It's almost like playing football at the five-a-sides with your mates. I said to the gaffer as well, I'm not going to go on and just stand about and make myself look stupid. Report by Ewan Payton Evening Times Sport, February 26 Joe Hart will miss Celtic pressure after retirement, says Rogers. Report by Kenneth Ward Brendan Rogers insists Joe Hart has dealt with pressure all his life. As the Celtic manager looked to help the former England and Manchester City goalkeeper end his career on a high at Parkhead. The 36-year-old Hart announced last week his decision to retire at the end of the current campaign, despite enjoying a rich vein of form during a 10-match unbeaten streak during which he had conceded only four goals. Asked if the decision to announce his retirement had taken the pressure off the veteran goalkeeper for the remainder of the season, Rogers insisted the 75 times cap keeper is used to dealing with pressure. And he said, everyone seems to be retiring. When the pressure's not there, you want it. When it's there, you want a holiday. Listen, it's part of the game. If you can't handle pressure, especially at the biggest club, those are not the clubs for you. Go away, there's plenty of clubs for you where it's like a holiday. You play one game a week and there's no drama. If you draw a couple of games and win eight, you'll be held up there. But with the biggest clubs, that's part of the deal. Joe has dealt with pressure for most of his life. He just wants to finish on a high. Rogers believes Hart remains focused on delivering for the club between now and the end of the season and expects him to continue to work in the game after calling time on his playing days, pointing to a similar desire to end his career on a high note taken by a fellow England international when Rogers was in charge at Liverpool. And he said, I had the same thing with Jamie Carragher at Liverpool. He was 35 and arguably my best defender at the time. But he wanted to go out on top and had earmarked what he was going to do. He had a great career and so has Joe. 
He wants to finish this season on a high, and I'm sure he'll stay in football. It's hard to reflect when you're still in it, but he's played really well and stepped up for the club on many occasions. But we know what the future is now, and he'll do his very best to help the team until the end of the season. Report by Kenneth Watt Evening Times Sport, February 26 Motherwell Conditioning Questioned Report by Graeme McGarry Frustrated Motherwell manager Stuart Kettlewell has told his players they have to keep their focus until the end of stoppage time after being sucker-punched by Celtic at Fir Park for the second time this season and that they must improve their conditioning. Kettlewell's side had been impressive as they led the champions at the interval, only to be pegged back in the second half and then ultimately going on to lose the match to Adam Ida's 93rd minute strike and Lewis Palmer's tap-in at the death. Kettlewell says that his team have to get themselves into a position where they can keep up the level of their first half performance across a full match or they will continue to be picked off late in games. Said Kettlewell, In the first half we really executed what we wanted to do and we had by far the better opportunities and scored a very good goal. In the second half, Celtic are trying to win a league title and you understand the magnitude of what's expected of them, so you know at times you are going to be on the back foot. I am just so frustrated at the second goal because that's the killer in the game. We're dealing with large parts of what their threat is. We're trying to apply pressure around our 18-yard box and purely a miscommunication or a lack of a handover to Celtic receiving the ball in our penalty area with the opportunity to feed a striker who's already scored in the game. It sounds like I'm trying to vindicate myself, but we worked on it tirelessly this week. The proof is there. We executed it for the vast majority of the game. We could certainly have been a bit cleaner, a bit sharper moving forward in the second half, but we were not playing for a draw as much as we started to collapse a little bit at times. Once or twice that comes down to energy levels. I'm just so frustrated at how the second goal comes about. If Celtic had done that to us and continued to do it, then you see there's a problem, but I wasn't seeing that. Even moments in the second half, I thought we were okay, but in the evolution of the football club, for us to get better, we have to go and complete 96 minutes mentally, but we have to complete 96 minutes physically as well. So that one comes back on me. I'm not saying they're not fit, but once we start to see one or two feeling hamstrings and thighs, it probably shows the opposition can grow momentum in the game. I felt as if we were forced into changes by necessity. We have to work towards conditioning ourselves to be able to play for 96 minutes. It's not just your body. It's been switched on to it. I have to identify what I saw towards the end of the game that cost us at least a point. Report by Graeme McGarry
Evening Times Sport, February 26. Van der Merwe hat-trick in Calcutta Cup win. Scotland 30, England 21. Report by Anthony Brown. Magnificent Duan van der Merwe became the first player to score a Calcutta Cup hat-trick for Scotland as they soared to their fourth consecutive victory over England in an intoxicating Guinness Six Nations showdown. The jet-heeled wing, who scored a stunning double at Twickenham just over 12 months ago, had the home crowd in raptures as he produced a Murrayfield masterclass to inspire his team to a 30-21 victory and moved to within one of Scotland's all-time record try-scorer, Stuart Hogg. England started brightly and opened up an early 10-0 lead, with George Furtbank scoring his first international try, but Steve Bothwick's men offered little thereafter, as their unbeaten start to the championship shuddered to a halt. Remarkably, the Red Rose have won now only one of their last seven meetings with Scotland. Led into battle by courageous captain Jamie George just over a week after he lost his mother to cancer, England made a strong start. Having forced the Scots back from the outset, the Red Rose got themselves ahead in the fifth minute when Northampton full-back Furbank, making his first start in almost two years, bounded over gleefully from close range after being played in by Elliot Daly at the end of a brilliant move. Scotland suffered a further setback moments later when Xander Ferguson had to limp off, although the influential prop was able to return to the fray in the 18th minute. By that point, England had opened up a 10-0 lead with Ford kicking a penalty in the 15th minute. Scotland had been in a state of disarray for most of the opening quarter, but they suddenly sparked into life and got themselves back into the game in the 20th minute. Hugh Jones made a dash for the line on the right, and after being dragged to the ground, the centre flipped the ball up into the path of Van der Merwe, who produced a superb piece of skill to find a gap and bolt over. The early wind had been moved from England's sails, and Van der Merwe edged the Scots in front on the half-hour mark, with a breathtaking score from his own half. As the visitors mounted an attack, Ford's heavy pass bounced off the face of Furbank and into the hands of Jones, who instantly offloaded to Van der Merwe, 60 metres out. The wing put on the afterburners and raced clear up the left, leaving a trail of white jerseys in his slipstream. Finn Russell added the extra before stretching the host's advantage to 17-10 with a penalty shortly afterwards. England were wobbling, but Ford kept his cool to reduce their interval deficit to four points with an opportunist's drop goal from 35 yards out. Scotland suffered what appeared to be a blow within seconds of the second half kicking off when Tupolutu limped off to be replaced by Cam Redpath. However, the substitute centre was instrumental in the host going further ahead in the 45th minute 
when he burst through a gap on the halfway line. A rock ensued as Redpath was halted in his tracks, and Russell produced one of his trademark crossfield kicks out to the left for van der Merve, who burst over with his hat-trick and his 26th try for Scotland. Ford reduced the deficit to 24-16 with a penalty in the 50th minute, but Russell put the home side firmly back in command with a couple of penalties either side of the hour mark. England, having offered little since the opening quarter, gave themselves a glimmer of hope in the 67th minute when replacement wing Emmanuel Faye Waboso bolted over on the left. Finn Smith, with the chance to bring his side within a converted try of victory, hit the post with the conversion, leaving the Scots nine points ahead and able to see out the remainder of the match in relatively comfortable fashion. Not even a yellow card in the closing moments for a tip tackle could take the shine of van der Merve's day. Report by Anthony Brown Evening Times Sport, February 26 Hearts Keeper Makes Ibrox Crowd Admission Report by Matthew Lindsay Xander Clark has attributed Hart's disappointing display against Rangers to their failure to silence the Ibrooks crowd and insisted the Tynecastle club are capable of putting the 5 nothing reverse firmly behind them in the Edinburgh Derby on Wednesday night. Clark and his teammates went into the Singe Premiership fixture in Govan on Saturday on the back of an eight-game winning and 12-match unbeaten run, and were widely expected to give Philippe Clément's side a difficult afternoon. But Mohamed Diamond broke the deadlock in the second minute, and the home supporters in the 50,354 strong attendance, on a huge high after watching their heroes move to the top of the table, for the first time in two years, six days earlier, created an intimidating atmosphere for the visitors. Scotland keeper Clark, who denied James Tavarney, Ridwin Yilmaz, Cyril Dessert and Fabio Silva with excellent saves during the course of the 90 minutes, admitted that falling behind so early had scuppered Hart's game plan and reduced their hopes of getting a result. He said, It's a tough one to take. We knew it would be a fast start from Rangers, being top of the league, but to lose a goal so early gives them an extra lift. We were backs against the wall from that point on. The manner of the goals we conceded are disappointing. It's not been like us. Listen, we knew the crowd would be right behind them after going top of the league and with them playing the day before Celtic. We knew they would be right at it and we needed to try and silence them. Conceding so early on gives them an added lift and it's a difficult one to try and get a foothold in the game. They were relentless and we did not stand up to it in terms of a defensive collective as a team and in terms of getting pressure on them. But that's the level that we, as a club, need to strive to get to, 
we need to be able to turn in these performances week in, week out. And I think we are almost there. As a collective, we know how disappointing that was from us. But in the previous weeks, we have shown we can compete with anyone in the league. We did it the last time we were at Ibrox and at Parkhead, where we played well. It is a bump in the road. We need to make sure we pick ourselves up and get back to what we have been doing. We need to make sure we bang at it on Wednesday. That concludes this week's edition of the Glasgow Times Sports Podcast. Please remember to subscribe to our channels at Review and to tell your friends about our service.